Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're in the book of 2 Thessalonians and focusing on some important truths about when Jesus comes again. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, my friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. So glad you joined us. I've got my uh, I'm a pastor what is your superpower mug today? I've got to be honest with you. As a pastor, I really don't feel like I have a superpower, but someone gave me that mug, so I drink from it. There it is. Uh, we're in Second Thessalonians today. I've not even found my place yet, so as you're finding your place, I'll find mine. Second Thessalonians chapter number three, uh, only three short chapters in the book, so we're nearing completion. Uh, and uh, by the way, we're going to be starting... Uh, as the new year uh, dawns upon us, we're going to be starting uh, a study of the book of Mark, and I cannot wait to do that. You know, the Gospels, all four of them, give us a different perspective of Jesus. They're complementary. They all complement each other. And in the book of Mark, we see uh, action. We see immediately and straightway. These are words you see over and over again in the book of Mark. And Jesus is seen in the book of Mark as a servant, one who serves us, who came to do the will of his Father on behalf of us. And wow, what a sobering thought. And the point is that we must immediately and faithfully follow him. Uh, His servanthood ought to be the supreme example for us as disciples, as followers, as servants of Jesus. So I hope that you'll join us for that study and ask a friend. Let's get a bunch more people involved in just being in the Bible every day. I think it would be a great way to make a New Year's resolution, uh, to get the Bible in, in your life in a bigger way. So pass the word if you would, starting January 2nd. Uh, we're going to be starting that because uh, we don't do it on weekends and January 1st is on a Sunday this year. So January 2nd, we'll start that study of the book of Mark. Hey, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, we covered uh, last episode, verses 1 and 2, where the Apostle Paul offered that prayer request. Hey, pray for me. Uh, pray for us that God would uh, deliver us for, from unreasonable, from wicked men, Uh, Our desire is to have successful ministry, success in the sense that the Word of God is published. The Word of God has free course. It's not tethered. It's not leashed, uh, but it goes to all the places that uh, God intends for it to go. Pray about that. And Paul was always concerned about the gospel message going as far far as it possibly could go. Uh, here we are in verse number three. If you'll look at uh, the text, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, uh, in verse number three, but the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, regarding you, that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Well, I love, I love that because what the Apostle Paul is expressing here to the Thessalonians is a, a word of encouragement, a word of confidence, but also he's he's betraying a little bit about um, what he what he prays for them about. These are 
uh, essentially his prayers uh, for the people of Thessalonica, the church there at Thessalonica. So let's break down uh, these verses today if we can. Uh, Verse number three again, but the Lord is faithful. So as the Apostle Paul talks about his confidence in their walk with God, as he talks about uh, their victory, potential victory over sin, as he talks about them loving God more and exercising more endurance uh, in their trials, he begins the entire conversation about these topics with the Lord is faithful, God is faithful. Now, why? Why would Paul start there? Because that's the very foundation uh, for our obedience. It's not our faithfulness to God that is primary. It is his faithfulness to us, that he is faithful to provide resources. He is faithful to, to dwell us by his spirit, to convict us, to teach us, to strengthen us. He's been faithful to give us his word. He's faithful to hear our prayers. I mean, the bottom line is God is faithful. I love that new song that we're singing in some of our churches called uh, The Goodness of God. Don't you love that song? All my life, uh, he has been faithful. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. And I find myself humming and singing that song over and over again. What a tremendous song that is. When you think about that little uh, statement, the Lord is faithful or God is faithful, you see that throughout the Bible, both implicitly and explicitly. I think, for instance, of that great passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where the Apostle Paul is talking about the trials that Christians inevitably face. And uh, he used the illustration of the children of Israel leaving Egypt in the first part of chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians But then he said this, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. There's our term. God is faithful. Who who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. So what's the point? The point is God is faithful. Even at times in our life when it appears that God has abandoned us, like times of temptation, times of trial, typically times like that are times when we think, Lord, are you there? Where are you? Why aren't you answering? Why, why am I not healed? Why are these people still pestering me? Why am I still going through this? And yet, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that God is faithful. Now, in what ways is he faithful? Well, he's faithful in that he does not allow us to be tested, tempted, tried above our ability to withstand it by his grace, with his strength. But then it says he provides a way of escape. But here's the part we forget, that we may be able to bear it. See, we always look at the escape hatch as getting out of the trial. The escape hatch is being, get, getting out of the temptation. But that's not what the Bible teaches. What the Bible teaches is that the escape is a way to bear it so that we're not crushed by it, that we're not dragged away by it, uh, that we're not uh, sidetracked in it. That's the point. And so God is faithful. It's his strength. It's his mercy. It's his provision. It's his word. It's his spirit. God is faithful. So knowing those things... The Apostle Paul now writes to the Thessalonians and said, listen, I have confidence 
in God because I know something about the faithfulness of the Lord. So does that mean that there's no obligation on our part? There's no responsibility on the part of the believer? Well, God's just faithful, so just kind of case sera, sera, let everything go because after all, God's just going to do it. Is that what the Bible's teaching? No. What the Bible's teaching is that God is faithful in providing these resources and these ways, the means by which. So watch how that plays out here in verse number three. He says, but the Lord is faithful. Now watch this. Who shall establish you or establish you? Now, how does God establish us? Well, primarily, uh, God establishes us through his word. Now, remember, the word of God and the spirit of God work in concert. So it's the spirit of God that applies the word of God that we hear, that we read, that we study, that we consider, that we meditate upon. The spirit of God uses the word of God to help every child of God behave more like, reflect the character of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord is faithful. He's going to establish you, the Bible says, then verse number three, and keep you from evil. And the old English word keep is the word that you and I today would use, the word guard. He's going to guard us. He's going to protect us. Sometimes we talk about a hedge of protection. Or you think about the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the glory. So it's the Lord. Lord, would you protect us? Lord, would you guard us? Would you keep us? I think uh, the Apostle Paul said to, to the Philippian believers, it is it is God that, that will give you his peace, that will garrison your heart, that will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Guard. So who is God? He is faithful to establish us. He's the one that gave us his word, gave us his spirit. He's faithful to guard us from evil and from the evil one. Look at verse number four. And Paul said, we have confidence in the Lord touching you. So not only are we confident in what God can do, he that began a good work in you, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul told the Philippians. But I'm also confident in the Lord touching you. Uh, specifically, I have confidence in the Lord related to your growth, related to your walk with God. I don't want to make this just a general affirmation to all people. Paul said, I'm writing you and you're going through it. I'm writing you and you're dealing with some of these internal church troubles. And I'm writing you and you have some confusion about the day of the Lord and all that's going on. I'm writing you and I know I've talked about Antichrist and uh, I'm writing you and I have confidence uh, touching the Lord regarding you. I look at verse number four again. So we have confidence in the Lord touching you that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. So there's the human responsibility. Well, we're confident that God's at work. We're confident that God has supplied his spirit and his word. We're confident that God is more than able to do these things in your life. And therefore, we have confidence that you will do, that you do now in our absence and will do the things that we commanded you. So which is it? Is it the word of God or is it the commandment of Paul? Well, it's one and the same because the apostle Paul was careful to command them according to the word of God. And that's often the way the word of God comes to you and me through human instrumentality. And so God used men like Paul and Silas and Timothy to give them 
the expectations of Scripture so that Paul could say, we know that you're going to do what we say because we know that you know that what we're saying is the Word of God. That's how you received it. And we know what God does with His Word in your heart. So our confidence is in God and in you as you obey what God has told you to do, realizing that the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. Wow, what a what a mouthful that is. Look at verse number uh, five in closing. And here's kind of a prayer that Paul adds to all of this. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. Don't you love that language? The Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. Why? Because our heart, the seat of our affection, the mind, the will, the emotions, it's so easy for us to get misdirected. It's so easy for us to set our affections on other things. And so the Apostle Paul is is, is speaking to a, a very core directional principle in life, and that is, where's your focus? Where's your focus? that your focus might be upon him, that God would direct your hearts, that your motivation would be the love of God, to love him, to apprehend the love that he has for you. And his love will automatically trigger a love that's reciprocal, a love that expresses itself and a love back to God and worship and a love for other people because the way that we love God is by loving other people. And so I'm praying that God would direct your heart toward him. What a great prayer. That'd be a great prayer for you to pray for your kids, for your spouse, uh, for your fellow church members. Oh God, direct their heart toward you. Turn their hearts, turn their hearts toward you. Direct them toward you. That's a great thing. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it, right? That's the songwriter. I think these verses play play a part in that, don't they? That, Lord, may my heart ever be directed toward your love. Then the Bible says in verse number five, and unto the patient waiting for Christ. So, yes, immersed in, motivated by the love of God, but then a patient, that means an enduring waiting for the coming of Christ. Isn't that the entire book's theme? The coming of Jesus? How they were kind of upset and confused because they thought that they perhaps are already in the day of the Lord and maybe we're already in the incipient moments of the tribulation and they were upset about that and Paul had to teach them all that. But then he says here, but but Lord, uh, that you might give them endurance and patience as they wait for the coming of Christ. And I think that's the prayer that we ought to be praying for each other, that we would, in this time and space, be motivated by and raptured by the love of God, and that we might be patient. Day after day, week after week, Jesus is coming again, and we can live today as if he is. So I hope that helps. Uh, Today, we'll jump into verse number six. Next episode, hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.